this morning, I want to share a word from the Word of God on the thought of just be there. Just be there. And so years ago, my pastor, James F. Richter, from Atlanta, Georgia, was telling me about a conversation he had with one of his dearest friends and a man that I know well, Reverend Howard Conine. Brother Conine is about six foot eight. Man, I have to stand on a chair or altar some just to look at that man eye to eye. And we had him preach for us right after we moved to Kentucky and picked him up at the airport. And I forgot how tall he was. I'm like, Brother Conine, it is so good to see you again, sir. I'm like, wow. And it's tall. It's about six, seven, six, eight. And all his children, he's got several daughters. They're all over six foot. His son's about six, 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 seven. My wife went to college with him for one year at Lee College in Cleveland, Tennessee. Lee, Lee College Church of God. And went to school with their son. But Brother Conine was having a conversation with one of his dear buddies who had been on the mission field, seeing people come back to life and eyes blinded, eyes open and miracles take place and all kind of just wonderful things by the Lord. And one day he was asking him, he said, Brother Conine, what's the key? What's the secret to having such a blessed ministry as you've had and you've experienced in your many years of living? He said, I'm going to tell you the key, Brother Richter, is just being there. It's just being there. He said, and when you're there and when you're at church and wherever God's moving, you see a lot of things happen, and you get to experience many, many blessings. And I want to preach on that thought of just be there this morning. I want to read from the book of Acts chapter 1, verses 21 through 26 to begin my message today and a little bit about the background of what's going on from Acts 1. Jesus had been crucified, buried, put in a tomb. He rose from the dead on the third day, as we all know. And for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus walked among Jerusalem, uh, just presenting himself to the people that he knew and loved and vice versa. As many as 500 people over 40 days got to experience his presence, the presence of the Lord before he ascended into heaven. After 40 days, Jesus ascended into heaven. Two angels were on each side, an angel on each side of him, two total. They said, man, don't you guys worry. God's got you. He's coming back just like he promised. Same way you've seen him go up, he's coming back down. Terry in Jerusalem, stay in Jerusalem till you be endued with the power from on high. The Holy Spirit's coming. You don't want to miss that event. Just stay. So Jesus went up in heaven. He disappeared. Angels were gone. The disciples decided to go to an upper room. And so 120 men and women, maybe some young men, young women, I don't know their ages, all met into an upper room in Jerusalem. And for 10 days and 10 nights, they sought the face of God, called on the name of the Lord. And after the 10th day, Peter had a word. Listen. Don't be giving words if you haven't been with God. Don't be just telling people whatever if you've not heard from God. Some people, the only time they hear from God is when it's time to leave the church. They say, Pastor, can we talk to you? The Lord, just he just spoke to my heart, laid it on my heart. He's moving us. And any other time, they've never told you God spoke to them until it's time to leave the church. But listen, if, it's time, if God has a word, by all means, share the word of God. You know it's God. So Peter stood up, and Peter began to share a word. See, Judas had died. He hung himself after he betrayed the Lord. He could not live with his guilt. So he hung himself, as you know, and died. And so that left 11 disciples from the original 12. There was only 11 left. But God probably decided they needed to fill that one empty, vacant spot. So he laid it on Peter's heart to do something really important. 
And so Peter was going to call a special election. And let me tell you how, how it went down. It's in the word of God, Acts 1, 21 through 26. So now Peter's speaking to the 120 in the upper room after 10 days of prayer. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time. We were traveling with the Lord Jesus from the time he was baptized by John, his cousin, until the day he was taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Bersabbas, also known as Justice and Matthias. Then they all prayed. I think it's beautiful, needful, and powerful when the church comes together to pray and seek the face of the Lord. When it's time to pray and the doors are open, don't come up with excuses so as not to be there. Find an excuse to be there. Then they all prayed, and they, here's what they said. Here's what they prayed out loud. Oh, Lord, you know every heart, and only God knows every heart. Please don't go into judging people's lives. We are not called to be Holy Spirit Junior. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Let's just us pray. Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you've chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. He's dead now. So they cast lots. They were like little stones with names going back to the old covenant. If they were going to pray over people and try to find someone to lead a ministry, they'd put names on stones, put them in a box, put them in a bag, and they'd shake them around. They'd reach in and see what the Lord had in mind. They cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. Now they have 12. Here's what Peter prayed. Don't miss this. Here's the condition and the criteria for whomever was going to replace Judas. Here's what he said. He said, Lord, we need somebody, somebody, Lord, that has been with you, been with us all along, that has been with this group, going all the way back to the day that Jesus was baptized by John, who in this room today of 120 of us has been so faithful to have been with this group, following Jesus, a part of the church, going all the way back to when Jesus was baptized by John until Jesus ascended. We know it goes back at least three years. Who's been faithful? And do you know who they picked? It was Matthias of the two Matthias. So I assume both men had been there all along, but for whatever reason, in the heart of God, God chose Matthias. What's so interesting, ladies and gentlemen, about Matthias is this. You never even knew he existed or who he was until you get to the book of Acts. And nowhere in any of the four gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was Matthias ever mentioned by name. Luke, who wrote the gospel of Luke and knew that Matthias was there, never mentioned him in his gospel. It wasn't until Acts chapter 1, as Peter is praying, and the Lord laid it on Peter's heart and let him know through the Holy Spirit, you need to find somebody who's been there. You need to find somebody who knows what it means to be there and to be faithful in being there wherever there is. I don't know where there is, but wherever that is, somebody who has been there all along. We need someone from among this group. And the Bible says they picked Matthias. Matthias. Matthias is the name God knew of that group of people. God knew who among them people 
was faithful. Who knew and understood how important it was to be there? And God needed somebody who understood the value of and the meaning of or what it means to be there. Now, anybody, if they're told up front, anybody, if somebody communicates, if you're there, here, there, here, here, or there, 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 and there, if you're there, 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 and there, and here, 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 for however many long, whatever the period of time, anybody, if they're told up front, that that's a criteria that in order to serve in a ministry opportunity or to make a difference, you have had to have been there, 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 or here, 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 up front. Maybe then, maybe people will be motivated and compelled to want to be there wherever there is all along. But if you don't know that God is watching you, and if you didn't know that God is going to handpick a man or a woman or a young person who has been there without even told to be there, without even being told that there may be a blessing on the back end from the front end, but yet he just knew. And wherever Jesus was, that's where Matthias was. He was there when Lazarus was raised from the dead. He was there when Jesus opened up blinded eyes. He was there when... When the Lord caused the lame to walk and the deaf to hear, you didn't know he was there because nobody mentions this name by name in the Gospels. Nobody even knew that he was there. But all along for three years of public ministry, everywhere that Jesus went, ladies and gentlemen, Matthias was there. And when Jesus goes to heaven and he lays it on Peter's heart to call a prayer meeting and they're about to choose someone to replace Judas, Jesus let Peter know and let the church know we need to find someone from among this room who understands how important to be there and has been there going all the way back from the time that John, his cousin, took him under the water and the Holy Spirit came down from heaven. We need somebody just like that. And the Bible says, and that they picked Matthias. Whenever God wants to fill a need, ladies and gentlemen, or God wants to use someone, he looks for people that are faithful at being there and if you would ask the apostle paul preacher paul is it important was it important in your day preacher paul was it important for people to be there even if they didn't know where there was was it important for people to be there in your ministry and your and your life paul would you tell the church of the 21st century preacher paul from the word of god how important it is for people to be there uh, do you think if that's important paul do you think and paul would say yes yes and a thousand times yes it is really important for people to be there look at acts 14 19 and 20 so here's what happened paul was on his first missionary journey with a wonderful brother in Christ named Barnabas. And when Paul first got saved and born again in Acts chapter 9, and he saw the light and had an experience with God, everybody was afraid of him because he had hurt people. You see, when you mess up, people want to stay away from you. When you mess up and you fail God, people don't want to come near you. They treat you like you're a virus. They treat you like you're taboo. And nobody in the church of that day had wanted anything to do with the apostle Paul. Nobody. Even when God came into his heart, even when the Lord shined a light on him, even when God took the scales off of his eyes, even when the church knew that God's calling was on Paul's life, nobody would come near him. Nobody dared believe in him. Even when Paul came before the church of Jerusalem, people thought, we need to give this guy another chance. Nobody would. But the only person that would give him another chance was a man by the name of Barnabas. He's the only one that would go and publicly stand with Paul 
and tell uh, James and Peter of the church of Jerusalem, this man's for real. He is truly changed and transformed. He deserves another chance. I don't care how many times we mess up. Everybody deserves another chance. Everybody deserves another chance. And we need to learn to be there as a church for people when they fail God, when they fall on their face before God. The church needs to run and be there for people because we've all messed up. Everybody's messed up. So after Peter went and gave him the right hand of fellowship, he's the only one that could publicly be seen walking alongside. But after God got him going through Peter's right hand of fellowship, the Bible says this happened. Peter, Paul, and Barnabas are on a preaching missionary trip. And so they're doing great things. They're preaching the gospel. And all of a sudden, let me tell you what happened. The devil got mad because people were being saved, healed, and delivered. And then in Acts 14 and 19 and 20, the Bible says, and there came thither, <laughs> thither, there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, they drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Why? Why did they want to hurt him? Because he was lifting Jesus up. As long as you're lifting Jesus up and letting your light so shine before men, you're going to have a big bullseye on your body, your heart, your mind, your spirit. The devil wants to bring down any church and any church people that are lifting Jesus up. You can sing about Jesus all you want. You can talk about his goodness in the four walls of the church, but don't you walk out of these, this church and go and tell the world about the goodness of God because will you going down? And that's exactly what happened. Paul was lifting up Jesus and the devil got mad. And, then he, and the Bible says certain Jews came from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people in having stoned Paul they drew him out of the city and supposing he had been dead however how be it as the disciples stood round about him he rose up he came into the city and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby ladies and gentlemen they had a rock concert in his honor they took him out and they stoned him with big rocks big stones heavy ones big old strong men throwing those rocks at that preacher my god you better pray for your pastor pray for his family the devils tried to bring the preachers down and they brought that preacher down that mighty preaching machine of God they brought him down with stones the devil knows what he can use what he can throw at you to bring you down people say sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me sometimes a hurtful wounding word will bring a God, good man a good woman right down so fast and they brought this preacher down they stoned him and they left him for dead and listen it was so bad they literally thought he was gone they probably got real close it's breathing i don't think so feel the pulse is there any pulse i don't feel anything we got him boss let's go home and they drug him out of the city and they left his body outside of the city gate on some old dirt road and all of a sudden as they went back to their homes to do their thing all of a sudden the bible says a bunch of disciples i don't know how many I don't know who they were. Their names are not in the Bible. They came and formed a circle of love. And they stood around preacher Paul. At first nobody would stand with him. Only Barnabas. But now they've seen the works of God. Heard the word of God preached. They've seen the hand of God on his life. They decided they believed in his ministry. God had a purpose for him. And they stood around him. And they just kept standing and standing and standing. And all of a sudden this Holy Spirit got upon Paul's body and just brought him back on his feet and the Bible says he rose up oh you ought to praise God on that note as the disciples stood around about him he rose up and he came to the city and the next day he departed with Barnabas he had a totally brand new opportunity God brought him back to life why because 
these men stood around Paul and they, they kept standing and, and they, they just wanted to be uh, there to make a difference in Paul's life. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes people don't need a sermon. They don't need you to come and tell them all this stuff. They just want you to be there for them. Just be there for them. Just be there for them when they need you the most. Just be there for them. I don't know who they were. They were unsung heroes. Their names are down in the Bible, but they refused to leave Pastor Paul. They just stood and stood and stood and stood and stood and stood until Paul got up. So don't tell Paul. If you were to ask Paul, Paul, do you think it makes a difference for people to be there in your life? He would say a thousand times, yes, yes, and yes. And now in another time in Acts 9, 23, 24, and 25, there's another time in the book of Acts where some people were there for the apostle Paul. He knows how important it is for people to be there when you need somebody in your life. Acts 9, 23, 24, and 25 says, Now after many days were past the Jews. Man, why is it that the church folks are always coming against the church? My greatest worry and fear, my greatest hurts are not from outside of the four walls of the church. Our greatest hurts, our greatest challenges sometimes and battles are in the church. The Jews, the people Jesus came for, the Jews plotted to kill him. They just think about it. They plotted to kill him. Their plot became known as song. They watched the gates day and night to kill him. The disciples took him by night and they let him down through the wall in a large basket. I told the church this morning that was what you call a real basket case. They let him down through the wall in a large basket. Who were these guys? I don't know who they were. All I know is they helped him down the wall to safety. Nobody can make it on their own. I don't care who you are, how strong you think you are in Jesus. You need the church, and the church needs you, and we need each other. The only reason why we are where we are in our lives today is because every step of the way from the time that we were born, God has put somebody in your life and in my life and my path and in your path every step of the way that has been there for us. And if it hadn't been for people that God had put in our lives, we would not be where we are. We do not get to where we are on our own. I am where I am by the grace of God but besides the grace of God other men and women who have been there all along that's how important it is to be there I was thinking this morning after the first service about the people in my life that had been there all along. I think about my sweet mother who only went to like fifth or sixth grade, didn't have a great education, took her a long time to write anything. I'd have to help her write letters. I'd have to help her pay bills. Mama didn't have a great education. But I tell you one thing, ladies and gentlemen, I had a mother who believed in this boy. I had a mother who believed in her son. And even when I failed God and failed at home, I I had a mother who refused to walk away from her son. Uh, aren't you glad for parents who believe in their children? Aren't you glad for moms and dads that won't abandon their children every time they fail God or mess up in their life? And that's the God we serve. I had a mother who was there, who was there till the day Jesus called her home on Mother's Day of April, May the 13th of 1980. I want to say thank you, Mama, for being there. She believed in me. I could hear her praying as a sinner. I could hear her praying upstairs as a sinner. My mama was there on her face before God calling the names of all seven of her children. She started with the oldest and said, oh God, save my little Jesse. Oh God, save my little Adrian. I'll be like, but when she got to Tony the Tiger, which is said, oh God, save my little Tony. That I don't want to hear that prayer. Oh God, save my little Tony. And she'd go right on down the list. But did you know that God heard my mama's prayers? 
I am where I am because my mama was where she was on her face before God, praying and asking God to save every one of her children. Oh, God, I give you praise. Right after I got saved on November the 19th, 1980, I walked up on a Wednesday night from that back row all the way to the front row. A guy was singing a song, singing about Jesus being the captain of the storm and said, and said if, there, if there's anybody here that you just need Jesus, why don't you just come on up right now? There's no need to wait till the service is over. He's just singing a song, and I just got up and ran on. I was 20 years young. I ran up there, and I gave my life to Jesus, and then I looked around, and here's all these saints of God. I didn't hardly know a lot of them, but they were praying, spitting on my neck, pushing down on my back. Oh, Jesus, save him. They didn't know. They didn't know that in 2022, the hand of the Lord would be upon this little preacher called Tony the Tiger, that the hand of God would be upon him one day to call his name and set him apart to be a bishop, to oversee a state. They had, but they stood there just praying just the same, believing that God would one day put his hand on my heart and on my life and launch me out to do a great work for the kingdom of God. Oh, I think Jesus deserves praise today. God, I give you praise. And then I think about my youth pastor, Brother Jerry Jackson, he had only been sa- he had only been married one month and didn't even know it. Pastor Jerry and his wife been married one month and they'd be- been appointed the youth pastors of the church. A month later, I got saved. First thing he did was come up and give me an A-track cassette. An A-track tape. A-track. Let that sink in. I'm talking about way past cassettes. I'm talking about eons beyond the DVD. I'm talking about way past XM serious. Are you serious? Yes, I am. Very dead serious. Man, we had a thing called A-track cassette. Had a brand new Camaro that my boss gave me because he didn't know that God was going to send me to Bible college in 1982, riding a 10-speed to work, 18 years old, thinking I'm living the high life, got a bike. But then he bought me a car, made me the manager of his restaurant. He said, you're going to stay with me forever and ever. You're going to be rich. A year later, I got saved. A year later, I'm in Bible college. We put this eight-track cassette player. You know my youth pastor gave me an eight-track cassette called Dallas Home and Praise. I was running from the master. Jesus got a hold of my life, and he won't let me go. He knew me then. Jesus, I'm an open book. Man, I wore that thing out. After a while, it dragged, and I'd push it to the right, and then I'd push it to the left and I stick that cardboard and I fold it up four or five times and I jam it in there and I was just crying going to church hearing about Jesus being this wonderful person how that he loves me and he knew me then and I thank God for my youth pastors Jerry and Angie Jackson I am where I am because way back where there was a man and his wife that were just there for me and they refused to give up on me and every time we prayed they'd come and pray next to me they'd cry with me and then there was times that I got so discouraged and so disillusioned about this whole Christianity thing and there was a guy who had just gone through a divorce he is my age we're five six months apart his wife and him had just divorced and he had been called to preach and then I here I come and get saved and this man was just an encouraged me Cindy Wormuth his brother David Wilson and David he and I were the same age and there's times I got discouraged and down and and he would come to my apartment I had a little apartment I thought I was living the big life Hey, big time, you know, have my apartment, restaurant manager, driving a white Camaro five-speed, listening to Dallas home. Man, that's where it's at. Today, they laugh me off the map. But I still play it every day in my office when I'm there. I still play those songs.
I want to remind myself that I wouldn't be where I am today if it hadn't been for this one and this one and this one and this one and those and every one of the people that God brought in my path that even though I didn't know them well didn't know who they were or what they were about they were just there they didn't tell me how great they were they didn't try to impress me with theology they just loved on me man they just came and stood with me they told me they believed in me and that they had, God had a plan for my life you know David would come to my apartment we'd wash the Cubs because he was a Cubs fan and he was a, a Bears fan, football fan. We watched football. We watched basketball. And sometimes I get discouraged. I wouldn't go to church for two or three weeks. Listen, if you get discouraged, all the more you need to go to church. All the more, don't stay home. Feel sorry for yourself. Get up. Dress up. Be here. Be there. Come and give God glory. Get your offering ready. Get your songbook ready. Get your Bible ready. You need to be there. Be there. Be there and make a difference. I know David would say, God's hands on your life. One day he's going to use you, and I'm not giving up on you. I says, I don't know nothing about what I'm, and I was discouraged. He goes, get back in church. As a matter of fact, I, I, feel like, I feel like I need to tell you that God's going to use you one day in ministry. I said, no, sir, no way, no how. That would never happen. It will never happen. Here's what he said. You know what you need if you're going to be called to the ministry? I said, what is it? Just a burden. Just a burden. You need a burden for God. A burden for people. A burden for lost people. A burden for the hurting people. A burden for people that are down. If you have a burden, God can use you anywhere at any time in any way to help anybody because you got to have a burden. He said, just remember those words. And on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And I'm going to wrap this thing up. This bus is coming to a stop, ladies and gentlemen. If you were to ask Paul, Paul, did it make a difference in your ministry and in your personal life to have had people just to be there for you? Even when you were out and you didn't know, when they stoned you and you didn't know if you were going to ever live or die, and even though when you were in a coma condition passed out, Paul, you didn't know which men and women were in a circle around you. You couldn't open your eyes and say thank you to Brother Smith and Billy Bob and Tom. And you, you weren't able to communicate, express gratitude. But they were there in spite of the people in your life and mind that have been there. That's why church is so critical. That's why community is so necessary. That's why connection is vital to Christianity. And to your experience with God. Don't ever think that you don't need the church and the church don't need you. We need each other. And we need to learn how important it is to be there. 29 years at Family Worship Center. 29 years. Can I tell you that everything's not been cake and ice cream? If it was, sometimes it'd be cake on my face. Sometimes it's self. In the 29 years, we've been stretched, put through the fire, and then some. I used to ask my pastor, Pastor, do you ever think about quitting? He said, every week, every Monday, when I go to change the sign in the message, on the sign. Every Monday, when we see how much offering came in or didn't come in, I think about quitting. Every Monday, when people wouldn't come to church, I thought about it. And if they don't value coming, why should I? Do I really want to keep doing what I'm doing? Do I really want to just keep pressing through and fighting discouragement and all this stuff? He said, every week I thought about quitting, but I wouldn't do it. And he says, and don't you ever do it. Don't you ever do it. That same pastor of mine, before I left, took me to Taco Bell because he says you can get a lot for your money. 
He says, I'd like to buy a lot of food and spend very little money. Go with me to Taco Bell. And he sat me down at a table at Taco Bell. He bought, it's a miracle of heaven. He said, Tony, when you go to Lawrenceburg, wherever that is, to pastor a church, and you've been there however long, and when your time is up and your life is over and your ministry is completed, or Jesus calls you home, don't think for a moment that your church members and the congregation is going to remember what a great preacher and teacher and singer and all that stuff you were. People are not going to remember from one service to the next anything you hardly that you said. But I'm going to give you some advice, son. He says, when your life is over, they're only going to remember you for two things. When you were there for them and when you were not there for them. And they won't forget either one. There's been times in our 29 years of Family Worship Center where we felt that big. There's weeks that I would stand on the front row where I sit on from the stage looking out with my wife battling darkness, battling discouragement, battling despondency, battling demons, battling not possession, but just the attack. And there's times that our family went through deep valleys and dark pits and and I would wonder, am I, are we going to survive this valley of despair? And there's times that I would literally come up the steps to the stage. And under my breath, I would be saying, Jesus, help me. I'd be like, good morning. Jesus, please help me. Please, God, help me. Pastor Brian knows some of our challenges. Won't go into detail. And then there's times that a member not even knowing anything would say, Pastor, we feel led to have you and your wife come up to the front. We feel led to pray for y'all. We didn't say anything. So we'd, I'd come down. And they'd gather around just good people. Like the people that stood around Paul. They were, they didn't know anything, so they didn't say a whole lot. They didn't have to. They'd rub my back. Oh, God. Please help our pastor. My head would drop and the tears would flow. I look over at my wife, her tears are flowing. The floodgates were opened without even knowing anything. You know what's kept me going when I didn't feel like going? You know why I'm still there and why I'm even here this morning? It's because along life's way, there have been some wonderful, loving, faithful, godly, dear, caring friends, men and women of God that would gather around us without even knowing. And they said, Pastor, we just want you to know we're here for you. We, you're, we know you're very private. You and Sister Carl are very private. We just want you to know we love y'all and we're here for you. More than anything, that has helped us. I want to hit that nail on the head of that nail so hard that I drive this point home. That God through the Holy Spirit is challenging every person in this room to realize how important it is in order to be a difference maker just to be there. When the doors are open, be there. When the offering plate's passed, be there and give. Whatever the need is, do what you can. In 2003, my wife had surgery, female surgery. And I stayed with her good husband. 
try to be. Not a perfect husband. Just a perfect wife. Can the church say amen? Well, one of those nights that I was there, she's asleep and I'm trying to sleep, but you can't sleep on those little hard plastic little chairs that your feet go out. Can't get comfortable there, man. Way past midnight, we, I heard a voice of a woman screaming who kept saying, please, somebody help me. Somebody help me. Loud. Help. Help somebody help me. Somebody save me. And so I jumped up, ran down the hall, and I stuck my head in there. I said, man, what's wrong? She says, I'm dying, sir, please help me. Please help me. Please help me. Well, I'm not a doctor. So I, of course, ran out of the room and ran down the hall to the nurse's station. And I get to the nurse's station. I said, ma'am, there's a woman down there. She's hollering. She's crying. She says she's dying. And she's begging for help. So the woman took off. And I went back to my room to mind my own business. But I did wonder, whatever happened with that woman? Listen, 10, 12, 13 years ago, I was at the Lawrenceburg Walmart. And I'm getting in my car. And there was a woman next to my car that looked over at me. She goes, do you know who I am, sir? I said, no, ma'am. You remember years ago at a Frankfurt hospital, there was a woman that was crying and kept saying, save me, somebody help me. I said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that night. She said, that was me. You saved my life. You saved my life. I felt small, man. I didn't do anything. I didn't help her in any way. All I did was run. Run. And get a nurse. I didn't touch her. I didn't pray no prayer over her. I didn't give her no pain meds. All I did was just there. I was just there. In that moment, just one-on-one, just, just one person being there. And she told me that I saved her life. So I've learned, and I got in my car and did what I'm doing now. I got in my car and grabbed a box of tissue and started wiping my eyes. I started crying because God just reminded me that ministry and what we do, it's not about what we just want to focus on in these four walls we call the church. It's just a building church. We're the church. And wherever you go is where the church is going. And somewhere, someone needs somebody if we'll just listen, there's a cry. Somebody's saying, help me. Somebody's saying, save me. Somebody's saying, help me. And if you listen, you can hear it with your spiritual ears. And it just may be that you're the man or you're the woman that God has commissioned and assigned to be there for that person when the need is there. You may be the one. And listen, friend, if you want to know why should I do that, why should I be a person that understands the importance of being there for people because when you didn't have anybody and it seemed like the whole world was away from you you were forsaken and abandoned you had God you had God who never gave up on you or me God and when Paul's ministry was over and he wrote the last letter called 2 Timothy and he's saying goodbye to all his friends He said, 
He thought about all the people that were there for him and they weren't there for him. He says, all men have forsaken me. All men have abandoned me, even though times passed, they, that wasn't true. But the Lord, but the Lord stood by me. He was there. And he delivered me from the mouth of the lion. Speaking of Nero, God is so faithful. I can't help myself, church. The reason why I try to be there as much as I can is because all along God has been there for me. And all along God has put people in my life that have been there for me. And if it wasn't for God, and if it wasn't for people that were there for me, I would not be here today.